great to see everyone this morning. Happy Easter. What an amazingly beautiful day we have. Uh, you know, spring has definitely come early. I think we may actually have a spring, not a mud season, which will be... What? It's going to be incredible. But uh, we're going to actually, uh, we're going to jump right into the Scriptures. We're going to jump right into the Scriptures today. Uh, we're actually going to, we're going to be looking at the longest chapter in all of the New Testament. All right? It is 58 verses. That hopefully doesn't mean I'm going to have a way longer sermon than normal. You know, for those of you who got scared. No, but um, rightfully, this, this longest chapter, the topic it's, it's discussing in its entirety, the whole thing is all about the resurrection. And if we're going to talk about anything today, it should definitely be the resurrection. Because today is it's Celebration Sunday. I mean, this is... Christmas is amazing. I love Christmas. It's so much fun. You know, we, we, we gifts are given. We, we get to, you know, rejoice and sing about the fact that Jesus gave us His Son to come down as a man. That's special. But the idea with Easter Amen. is that not only did Jesus come as a man, He died for our sin, and then He was resurrected from the dead. And if you don't get... What that means, hopefully you'll grasp it a little bit by the end of today, right? Just a little bit, because if, if Jesus didn't rise, then none of this matters, right? None of this matters. And so we're going to be, we're going to be picking up in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, as I said. So, Celebration Sunday, just giving you a funny title this morning. Let's do it. Squirrels, fools, and fabulous prizes. Squirrels, fools, and fabulous prizes. Alright? And, and we're going to start off. Point one is dead squirrel walking. Where are you going? I promise I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. This will hopefully make a lot of sense. Alright? But turning into 1 Corinthians 15... This letter was written for a number of reasons. I'm going to give you a little context before we start off here reading the scripture. It was written for a lot of different reasons. Paul is dealing with many different things he's hearing in the Corinthian church. Corinth is a place of, of all sorts of religions that come together. And, and he's dealing with this culture and he's trying to help the church understand, like, you need to hold on to what you learned in the beginning, Right? And, and one of the teachings that had come up was this idea that Jesus hadn't actually been resurrected. Jesus came, but that he didn't actually rise from the dead. And so where we're starting off in this first letter is he's trying to help them understand what it is. You know, give them an assurance of their faith. And so we're going to pick up here. We're going to read through verses 1. Through 8, and then we're going to just jump a little bit right over to 12, and we're going to read 12 through 19. So if you have a Bible, feel free to follow along with me. But it says, Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I have received, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Tell me to verse 12. But, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses of God. For we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But if He did not raise Him, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope of Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. You know, this is a, this, this section, Paul starts this off and, and he's talking to the disciples and he's telling them, guys, do not forget what I told you in the beginning. The, the lessons and, and what we preach to you, the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came and he died for sinners. That when he died, he took the sin of the world upon him. He took our punishment. Yet, when he was resurrected, it was given as proof that there would be a resurrection. That that we could be united with God again. Because if if he didn't raise from the dead, there there is no hope for us. There is no hope. And yet he says... But do you forget all of these people who have seen Him? You have 500 people who saw Him at one time. A mass delusion on that scale? No way! That in itself is part of the proof of Christ. All of these people. And He's even saying, there are still people who are alive today. He's saying that in an aspect to go, you can ask them. They will tell you. What they have seen. That Jesus Christ rose hundreds of people to testify to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. No, no historian today, no modern, credible historian will tell you that Jesus did not exist. Right? None will tell you that he did not exist. And you would have all of the, the, the evidence you, at this point. You have the people who are 500 people at this time, eyewitnesses saying... He rose. Over 500. He rose from the dead. He, he came back. We saw him. We touched his hands. We saw him eat food. This wasn't a ghost. This was a real person. And so I think about this and I, I go, these men are, are and, and women. I mean, it, it's only giving you the number of men at this time. It's not even telling you the women that there was a crowd of a small group of women that went to, to the tomb, you know, on that, uh, on that Sunday morning. But it's, you're only hearing from the men, not let alone the women that were there, right? And so, in this, I, I'm trying to think about how how could I illustrate for you if, if if you were to see something like this. So, 
Imagine this, right? You know, most most have cars probably, but imagine you're you're taking the bus, right? Uh, you have to take the bus to work every day, and you you walk out and you you stand on the curb, and you're waiting by the bus stop, and and, and then you see you see this poor little squirrel. This poor little squirrel got hit by a car, and you see the little squirrel, and, and we we all know what a poor little squirrel that's been hit by a car looks like, right? And um, you see the squirrel, and you, you have that moment of, like, maybe, like, oh, poor squirrel. You know, you, you see the squirrel, and, and, and then, you, you know, you get on the bus, and you go. You have your day at work, and then you come home, and you see the squirrel, and then you go, and you come out the next day, and you see the squirrel, and you're like, oh, poor squirrel. You know, it's been there another day, and it's been in the heat. And there it's, you know. And then, and then you come home and you see the squirrel and poor squirrel. And, and then you get up the next morning and you go out and, and you're standing there waiting for the bus and you see the squirrel and a little tail flops. You're like, wait, what? And then like flops the other way. And the little leg twitches. And you like see the little leg twitching and the tail's flopping. And the other legs start twitching, and then it starts flopping more, and then, and then suddenly the squirrel just like starts moving, jumps up, looks at you, and then just runs off, and it runs up the street. What? What? You're like looking around, you're like, maybe there's another person. Did you see that? Did you see that? That squirrel was dead. It was dead. It was... That squirrel was dead. You would not stop talking about this squirrel. If you saw a squirrel dead for three days, that came back to life, it's running around, Maybe you see it for a couple of days after that. You see that squirrel. It's grabbing his little nut. It's just sitting there. Looking at that squirrel. You are insane. You're like... And if, you know, hopefully, there's another person there that saw that, that. That you're not losing your mind. Right? That you've seen it. Maybe you and that other person, you're like, do you remember the squirrel? You would talk about that squirrel for the rest of your life. You would be like, you know, in your 80s, 90s, you're sitting in your rocking chair and you're like, Hey kids, come here. Can you tell you about that squirrel? They're like, we know, Granddad, we know. We, we, we remember, we heard, no, kids, you gotta come here. You gotta, let me tell you about the squirrel. This squirrel was dead. This squirrel was dead. And it rose to, it, it, it came back to life. You would not stop talking about that. You would spend your entire life letting people know that you had seen a miracle like that. Right? You know, some people, maybe they're going to think you're crazy. Right? Maybe your grandkids will think you're crazy. But you look at it, you would not stop talking about it. These disciples, these people who saw Jesus, He died! And they saw him again. They could not stop talking about him. 
Christianity exploded around the world. And what did these people have to gain? Nothing but many of them brutal deaths. They lost family. They lost property. They lost their lives for this. It's not, it wasn't easy for them, but they did it, right? They saw a dead man walking. And they could not stop talking about it. Hundreds of people saw this. And and we laughed at the idea of a squirrel, but if if you really saw it, if you legitimately saw that, especially if somebody else saw it, right? Because if it was just you, you might be like, something's wrong with me. Something's coming out of that gutter by the bus stop. I don't know. You would think something was wrong with you. But if, if others had seen it, like, you saw that. I saw it. You would tell people. And these people told people. And they, they, they kept telling people. Around the whole known world, they spread throughout the world. And today, we still talk about the man who died and was resurrected. Yeah. Hundreds of witnesses. Hundreds. Why? Why would they say that? Why would they endure such a challenging life? For, for this man if he didn't come back? Why would they say these things? You know, verse 12 through 19, I mean, the resurrection is the linchpin. And even, even the apostles, I mean, Paul is, that's what he's saying. The resurrection is key. This is the thing, right? This is, this is what we need to know. And so, I'm going into point two. But my second point is, I'm no fool, are you? I'm no fool, are you? And so I, I look at this. I love what Pat shared. He said that, that the cross is foolishness. Right? To those who don't believe. But it's the power of God to those of us who do. But it, this is the linchpin. See, in verse 12, I want to read it again. But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For him to say this, this is the same man who says, If they preach anything other than the gospel of what you have heard, let them be eternally condemned. He knows the consequence of if he's preaching the wrong message. right? But he says this, and he keeps going. But if he did not raise him in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. You know, I I look at this and and I think about this, the verses 17 through 19. You know, he says, if if Christ has not been raised, then you are still in your sins. And I don't know what that means to you. But what that means to me, to have no hope, 
To understand that, that your sin is a form of slavery. A, a form of slavery that we've been trapped in. And, and you see, he says that we should be pitied. It's true. There's no hope for us. There's no hope. And, and back then you think of these men, what did they give up? I mean, he, he went about... Paul was stoned a number of times. Shipwrecked, like beaten, abused. Peter, you know, the Apostle Peter ended up being hung upside down on a cross. You know, it was, it, we, we have so many of the disciples, so many of the Apostles were being killed and, and tortured. And, and Paul knows well because he was one of the men that initially actually tracked down, chased down the church and was killing, was killing Christians. Right? And so we look at this and we say, so these guys, what did they face? What did they have to gain? Nothing. Someone once told me, oh, well, you know, they, they gained respect. They gained prestige. They gained these things. They, gave, they gained authority over people. Guys, I mean, Jesus' leadership, the way that he said... The, the greatest in the kingdom are the servants. Jesus himself washed feet. Right? It's not like Jesus took some big hierarchical role in, in, in the way that he was leading ministry. He said, be like me as the leader who's the servant of all. Right? This wasn't a... The teachings were, don't lord it over people. So when people tell me that, I'm like, they had, what did they have to gain? A life of ridicule and humility. But you know, I think about us. I said, I'm no fool. Are you? What do people think about us? People who are Christians. I was um, reading a comment from somebody at one point. They were like, it said, they're having a conversation with, with an individual who found out they were a Christian. They said, you know, honestly, I, I thought you were smarter before I knew you were a Christian. You know, what do we seem like to people? We, do we seem like... The, the, the stupid, the uneducated, the ignorant to believe in something that a man could come back from the dead, that a God could exist that created this entire incredible universe? Do we seem... We, we do at times. I've had conversations sharing my faith on campus. A young man walk up to, to shake his head, excuse me, hey, uh, do you mind if I ask you a question? What do you, what do you believe about God? He laughed. He's like... I believe it doesn't exist. I believe in science. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And, and the way he's talking to me, it's like, yeah, you're, you're just stupid. I mean, uh, that's not exactly how it made me feel But when he said that, but you know what? And I said, oh, really? Well, would you be interested in sitting down and talking about the facts? What science actually, it more largely supports the existence of God than not the existence of God. And... He was like, well, do you have resources? And I said, actually, I do. Would you like to sit down and go over them? No. He walks into the library. I was like, okay. I just, I mean, I, what can you do for that type of person, right? And so here we are, though. And I see this, and I see what do Christians have to give up? Christians, we sacrifice jobs at different times. People sacrifice their careers. You know, we've, we've sacrificed family, some of us, and friends for the sake of Jesus. Because... We believe that there is a God. Are we fools? Are we fools to believe that? I tell you what, I'm not a fool. Verse 20, Paul says, he's like, no, Christ did rise from the dead. He certainly did. And so we look at this though and we say, 
Who are fools? Maybe they think we're fools. Maybe they think we're nice fools, but fools nonetheless. You know what? I'm no fool. You know why I know I'm no fool? Romans 6. Not only were there hundreds of witnesses with nothing to gain, but even my own life speaks to the truth of Jesus Christ. Starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father we too may live a new life. If we have been united with Him like this in His death we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. You know, for me, I read this scripture. What do I see? John 8, 31 and 32. He says, if you are really my disciples, you will hold to my teachings. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from sin. This scripture, he's talking about when you get baptized, we participate in the death, burial and resurrection. We begin a new life. Let me be honest with you. Maybe this wasn't what you were expecting on Easter Sunday. Before, I was really a Christian. I believed in God. I was addicted to impurity. Addicted. I mean, I, I could not help myself. I remember going and thinking, Why, if I could control anything, I should be able to control myself. Why can I not do this? I lived a complete double life. You know, I, I lived... I lived with two completely different visions of myself. I had, the, I had the, the, the friends in the other part of the city that I kept away from my friends that knew my parents and kind of went to religious and church stuff with. I had, I had the different change of clothes in my car. I had the, the way that I, I would present myself to the world and the way I would present myself to other believers. And I was an utter hypocrite. And for me, I, I was trapped in my, in, in my sin. I was trapped in impurity. I, I looked at where I was in my life. And I knew I didn't like it, but I couldn't change it. And I studied the Bible with some guys, and they challenged me on a, one of our first Bible studies about the concept of purity. And, and just to say it, to, that masturbation was something that Christians should not be doing. And I was like, what? And they said, no, we, we don't do it. One of the guys, yeah, it's been four and a half years. You know, I'm, my mind is just blown at that point. And I prayed and said, God, if this is really where you want me to be, if this is true, because I was going to all sorts of different churches, and obviously I was a hypocrite, but I said, if this is where you want me to be, let me be free of this. From that day, from that day, I was legitimately free of that sin. Three and a half years, I didn't struggle. I didn't sin against God in that way again. But not only that, I've seen God's truth in my life. I've seen it in my marriage. I've seen it in my friendships. I've seen it, I've seen it in conflict with 
Christians and non-Christians alike. When I live God's way, I see the truth. That's not even to say the answered prayers. I've shared with some of you, with some of them, and for the sake of not making this an hour-long thing, I have prayed and I have seen miracles. You cannot convince me that there is not a God. On the miracles alone, let alone now I look at the scientific, the support of God. Like, you're not, at this point in my life, you are not going to convince me that there's not a God. I can't always say that that was true in the past, but after I've studied and after I've seen and and the change I've made in my life and the miracles I've seen, and I know many of the miracles that you guys have seen, you know that Jesus is real. But do we talk about it like we saw a squirrel raised from the dead? Because I'm no fool. What I've seen, what I've felt, what I've experienced, what I know, there's no way. I'm no fool. The people who are fooled are the ones who are fooled by Satan and by the world into believing that there is no God and that Jesus is not the way. And if you don't believe that Jesus' way is the perfect way, you don't know Jesus. You don't know His Word. You'll see it when you apply it to your life. You'll know the truth when you apply it. Amen? And so, for that, I just say, I'm no fool. I know that this is true. And so, I jump into this last chapter. Because it's not always easy to be a Christian. Right? It's not always easy. But I jump into this last one. Come back with me to 1 Corinthians 15. You guys still with me? Title of my last point It's going to be worth it. You guys remember the fabulous prizes? Alright, the fabulous prizes? It's going to be worth it. Because here, 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to look at verse 50. Paul's finishing talking about the resurrection of the new bodies that we're going to have. Right? Verse 50, starting, says, I declare to you, brothers, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. Hey, mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Yes. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so, you think about this. As Christians, we belong in the kingdom of God. 
When you were washed, when you were remade, at that baptism you raise up, you become a citizen of God's kingdom. You get that inheritance. We will one day get to see God. Get to see God. People think, oh, it's going to be cool. We can fly. You can fly, so what? You get to see God. Oh my goodness, guys. The pure ecstasy of being in His presence will floor you. If we understand that God is goodness, He is everything. that, that is, The word good does not even come close, but there is nothing that can describe how good He is. Do you think of what it feels like on an amazing summer day to lay, lay by the lake with your feet in the water and you feel the cool water and you feel the sun on your body and that warmth. A thousand times greater will be the radiance of God. Thank you. You think of one moment on this earth is going to compare even to a thousand of what it's going to be like to be in the presence of God? You think to fly? Or is that going to happen? I don't know. I know that we all are going to have new bodies. What's that going to look like? I don't know. Maybe I'll look like Shay. I'll be fired up. You know. But I, what, what does it mean? I don't know. But the one thing I do know is I get to see God. Amen. In His goodness. The fabulous prizes... To bask in the presence of the Lord. The food? It's going to be amazing. Do you like food? It's not going to matter. It's going to compare to nothing. The Wickhams make great food. I'm a little fire, uh, I'm a little sad that I'm not going to be at their house eating the lamb. But amen. You know? But I look at it and I go, I'm going to get to see God. The best part. Sure, we're going to have each other. Absolutely. I'm going to be excited to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's going to be awesome. But you know what's going to be even more awesome? The fact that we're going to sit together and be in the presence of God. Heaven is amazing because God is there. If you think of the idea of being with God as something boring, it's because you don't know the goodness of God. He is our great reward. He is the greatest treasure we will ever have. He is the fabulous prizes. He is what we get to receive. And, guys, why we celebrate is because we have that hope. And it's sealed for Christ. There's a reason that we believe. There's a reason we celebrate. You know, and so we say this. And I end and leave you with this. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Happy Easter.